I'm going to kind of preach first, but we've got some things we want to do tonight as, uh, as we finish up here. But I want you to, uh, if you have a little green book, um, take it. And if you don't have those little green books, um, if you have one, turn to page 42. If you don't, our team members will come through the handout that has these notes on it. So take um, that. Turn your Bible to Philippians, the third chapter, Philippians chapter 3. I want us to kind of take a few moments here and talk about where to go from here. Um, what, what is the, I want, you to, I want you to write down as we walk through here, um, the one goal of your earthly life. What, what is the goal, as you would think about um, your life, what is the goal of your, I want you to write it down someplace out of the side there uh, on your page. What, what is your purpose in life? What is your goal in life? As you think through whatever remaining time God gives you um, on this earth, what, what is the goal that you have in life? I want you to write out your personal statement, your goal in life, your mission statement, your vision for your life. As long as God leaves you here, just um, in a sentence, I want you to write down real quickly there your, your goal in life. So you write that down. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to write down your goal your vision uh, for life. I was um, getting my haircut some time ago, and I asked the, I, I, I asked this morning that question, um, what would you do if uh, you stood before God? And, and he said, well, I should let you into heaven. And it's, it's a great question. I found another uh, kind of witnessing tool that I've used uh, more recently with people. And so I, the last few times I've got my haircut, I, I said to this girl a couple times ago, I said, what is your goal? What is your goal for eternity? What's your goal for eternity? That was my question to her. And I've been asking people that question. Um, it's been really interesting. And so I said, I said to her, what's your goal for eternity? And she said, well, I'd like to have my own shop. I thought, I was kind of thinking like beyond eternity, like beyond death, you know, be, like longer than that, you know. And, and I, I think sometimes we only think through till that, but we should have, have some goals. That's, that's not a problem to have that. I don't know what your, what your vision of your life is, your goal is. Um, I, I believe it is our goal, our responsibility, our job to give the world a right opinion of God. My, my, my goal in life is to give the world a right view of God. That when people look at our lives, as they see marriages and families and the way we interact, the way we forgive, the way we give, the way we drive, the way we dress, everything we do, the people would look at our life and be able to have a view of God that is, that is equivalent with what the Word of God says. And, and so how do we do that? How do we have a, a, a church body that, that gives the right view of God to our world. I think for the most part, um, our culture, when they view Christians, do not view them in a very positive way because of the, just all the things that have happened in, in our culture and the uh, preachers and ministries that have uh, been in trouble and done things that are uh, questionable at, uh, at the best. And, and so, so as a result of that, Christianity is not holding, holding real high regard. And so our job is to give the world a right view, a right image of God. Now, I don't know what you wrote down uh, for your goal in life here on this earth. It might have been something about giving glory to God, and that, that's, a, that's, that's a good thing. But I want us to look here at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And here is uh, um, Paul's um, instruction here, the goal of your earthly life. And, 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 and here's what Paul says in Philippians 3. And, you know, he's a, he's a typical preacher. 
He says, this one thing I do, and then he lists three things. That's, that's, a, that's what a preacher does, right? So this one thing I do, and then he breaks it down into a three-point sermon. This one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, reaching toward the goal of those, and reaching toward that which lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So, so he said, here's the one thing that I do, and then he lists this, and, and, and you, you may have put it down to bring glory to God, um, to, to be like Christ. There's, there's all kinds of things you could have uh, put down and walked down on that. But, but, but here's the, the bottom line. My, my thing is to keep one thing, thing one. It's very easy for us to get distracted into a thousand other things. So I'm, I'm gonna summarize it this way and say the goal, you can set however you want, but it's Christ-likeness that the goal for your life in the days ahead should be Christ-likeness. And, and, and how, do, how do we do that? Are we doing that? I, I think um, a lot of times it's, it's not wrong to have goals. It's not wrong to have five-year goals, 10-year goals. But I want to know, what is your million-year goal? I mean, what are you going to do in your life in the days ahead that a million years from now you're still going to be able to find? And I think that goal should be, as, as we grow in Christ-likeness, you're going to find those things a million years from now. The things that God has done this week, you're only going to find a million years from now if it is helping you grow in Christ-likeness. It's, it's not about uh, a comp. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you have five-year goals, ten-year goals, and, and that, that's, that's fine. But, but I want to know what in your life is going to change that a million years from now you'll still find. It, it, and it's not about bigness. I mentioned today that uh, my mom passed away um, just uh, not too long ago. And um, I want to read you uh, what, what I wrote the, the day that my mom died, um, kind of a, a eulogy that I wrote for her. The vast majority of people who have walked the face of this earth have been more impressed than my mom. She never wrote a book, never started a business, never pastored a church, never preached a message, never talked to a crowd, never wrote a song, never went on a mission trip never made a whole lot of money. She never had a smartphone, was never known on social media. In fact, she never, to my knowledge, ever made one keystroke on a computer. She was never applauded by a crowd and rarely even thanked for her unseen sacrifice. She never owned much of the things of this world. Maybe that's why she didn't love the things of this world. Or maybe it's because she was living for another world, a heavenly kingdom. But in spite of all she didn't do, didn't have, and didn't know, and how unknown she was on this earth, there are two things that made her a great mom and a great person. She loved her God and she loved her family. In so doing that, she modeled the teachings of Christ in a far greater way than almost anyone I've ever known. Only God knows how many hours she spent praying and crying out to her father for the needs of her children. She never pushed me, but always prayed for me. She set an example as she read and studied God's words with discipline and diligence. No one really knows the sacrifice a mother makes for her children, and most children, including me, rarely take the time to express their thankfulness because we're so wrapped up in our own lives. I know it's staying the obvious, but without my mom, I would have no life, but in more ways than the obvious. I'm grateful for the pain she endured to give me life. On this earth, her life will be summed up as a dash between two numbers, 1927 to 2014. There will be no announcement in the media, no write-up in the paper, no one will ever author a book on her life. But she wrote a story on my life that will pass to my children and grandchildren. And though she never received a standing ovation here on earth, I believe she heard the applause of nail-scarred hands and the standing ovation of his heavenly host. The, the thing about my mom was her goal was Christ-likeness. 
And, and she, no one will ever hear of her, but they will hear of her Christ as she reproduced that in my life, and I have the chance to do that in my children and in their children on and on down the road. And, and the only way that's gonna happen in your life is if you're willing to, to take some, make some changes in your life, to, to be a little bold in some things that sometimes we just, we just aren't very bold in. I want you to watch a little, uh, little video clip. This is uh, Francis Chan, this is some years ago, and it's a, it's a really um, poor recording, um, so, so forgive that, but just listen. Um, he's he's uh, speaking to a crowd, and he's got a balance beam up here on stage, and he's walking on this balance beam as he's giving this illustration. So listen to Francis Chan here for a few minutes as he's um, walking on this balance beam of life here. And I hope that you don't either. So how do we live a life that is not just safe, but a life that honors the Lord, that does what we want to do, whatever you wrote down there as your goal in life in Christ's likeness, how, how do we do that? Let's go back to this passage here where, where Peter or where Paul is, is giving instruction here in relationship to how we can live a life. I, I think if you as a church want to move in a way that gives the world a right view of God, that, that models Christ's likeness. I think there are three things for a church. It's like a three-legged stool. You ever um, sit on a stool that has three legs? Well, if one of those legs is gone, you're in big trouble on three-legged stool. So you have to have all three. There are three aspects. First of all, gathered worship. We've done that for the last week. You've gathered here together, and you need to continue to do that. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. The second leg of the stool is small group fellowship. If you're not in a small group, if you're not in a, a group of people that you have transparency with, accountability with, who are asking you tough questions that you're praying with, you're sharing your heart with, like some of the things we've done during these days, if you do not have that small group, you say, I'm just going to come to the big group, and you don't have a small group, then you're going to fall off the stool. It's not going to hold you. And then the third part of that stool is personal devotional life. And th these three cylinders have to be hitting all the time. If you do two without the other one, you're going to fall apart. Gather worship, small group fellowship, and a personal devotional life. And if you will do those three things, that will help you in this process of becoming Christ-like, glorifying God, or whatever the, the thing you just wrote down as your goal for this earthly life. So, so how, how do we do that? Back to this passage now in, in Philippians where, where Paul is instructing these folks. This one thing, I'm going to keep one thing, Christ-likeness, this goal, uh, and, 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 and for a church to hit all those cylinders, how do I do that? Okay, three things. He first of all says, I'll forget that which lies behind. So, so here's the deal. We look at these days and we can say, man, there's a lot of things we've done in the past well, there's two things about this. Past victories won't be enough to sustain me in the days ahead. I'm grateful God has done things in your life in the past eight days. I'm grateful in the last eight years, but, but you can't live on yesterday's victories. And some of us say, well, you know, I've done all this in the past, and I'm just kind of comfortable where I'm at today. You, you can't coast in the Christian life. We're, we're going uphill. If you put it neutral, you'll go backwards. So, so you can't just sit there and say, well, I won these things, I did these things, I gave this money, I went on this mission trip, I served here, and I've done that. Past victories are not enough to sustain you in the days ahead. I was at a church some time ago, and their pastor had written a track a few years ago. It was the most published track in history. And the church was dying. And all, they had this track kind of immortalized in this glass case in the, uh, in the lobby. And, and, and that was their claim to fame that their former pastor had written this famous track. 
Well, that's fine, but past victories are not enough to sustain us in the days ahead. Here's the second thing about that. Past defeats are not enough to suppress me in the days ahead. Uh, yeah, we, we've all made a mess of things in the past, and I'm not going to sit there and live and dwell in all those failures. I will forget, Paul says, what lies behind. Don't live in the victories of the past or in the failures of the past. Don't live in the past. It's gone. It's done. So, so Paul says, here's what I do. If I'm going to keep thing, if I'm gonna keep one thing, the priority, Christ-likeness, glorifying God, whatever you wrote down, then forget the past, victories and failures. Secondly, he says, I'll not only forget what lies behind, I'll strain forward to what lies ahead. So he says, my focus is not going to be on the past. If you're going through life, your past is the rearview mirror, and we make the past our front windshield and look at the future in the rearview mirror. The, the past is there. There's things you learn from it, but, but I'm going to strain forward to what lies ahead. There's, there's going to be some things required. There's, there's going to be resistance. You're going in an uphill battle, and you're going to have to strain. You, you've seen people in the Olympics as they, they come to the finish line, and they're, they're everything they can, they're straining for that, that last tenth of a second, for that one world record, for whatever it is, and they're straining at the end. And, and we need to be straining towards, pushing forward towards, not, not giving up. I, I memorized a poem years ago. I'm not even sure why, but it goes like this. Two froggies once fell into a melt pail deep, and one poor froggy did nothing but weep. He sank to the bottom as heavy as lead, and there the next morning they found him dead. The other frog shouted, I'll have a good try. This pail is deep, and I don't want to die. So he churned up the milk with his legs fore and hind. There's nothing like having an active mind, because there the next morning this froggy was found on a pound of fresh butter he floated around. Now, here's the moral. When things get thick, don't growl and mutter. Remember, one more kick may bring forth the butter. <laughs> and, and the problem is we give up. We say, I, I can't, this is, I'm, I'm surrounded, I'm drowning, I can't do this. And God says, I, I'm going to keep going. And Paul says, I'm going to keep straining forward to what lies ahead. So, so, so if you want to keep one thing, thing one, then you forget what lies behind, you strain forward to what lies ahead, and then thirdly, he said, I will prize upward spiritual progress enough to exercise spiritual discipline. And, and that's where I think this whole thing of the balance beam is. We have grabbed hold of the balance beam, and we're, just, we're not going to do anything. Listen, if you really want to achieve that goal, if you really want to grow in Christ's likeness, if you really want to hear Christ one day, the Father say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, then you've got to prize upward spiritual progress enough to exercise the spiritual discipline of gathered worship, small group fellowship, and a personal devotional life. And if you don't prize those things, you won't do them. So it's, it's great to have a goal, but, but are, you, are you going to really say, yeah, by God's grace, I, I want to see that accomplished. I want to see that happen in my life. Now, here's what I found over the years about spiritual growth. I, I found this. We end up moving away from the Lord in small, imperceptible drifts. You know, the, the world is, is drifting away from God. And so the world is drifting away. And, and, and as Christians, we stay this far from the world. The world keeps drifting, and we drift with it. Now, now God isn't moving, right? And, and, and as long as we keep our eyes on the world, we say, at least I'm not doing that. I'm not that bad. I'm not involved in that yet. And we, we keep our distance a little bit from the world. But all the time, since the world is going farther away, we end up realizing, wow, I've gone in the wrong direction. And it's in small, imperceptible drifts. 
Now, if you wanna see things change in your life in the days ahead, here's the next point. We move away in small, imperceptible drifts. We move toward the Lord in big, intentional shifts. And if you're gonna make some changes in your life as a result of these days, you won't drift back into it. You've gotta say, there are some intentional shifts I've gotta make in my life. I remember we were in a meeting uh, some time ago and, and uh, there was a number of staff members of this church and it just seemed like as we met through the week with that staff, the guys kept saying, God has shown me I've not been intentional. And that word just kept coming up. And, and the problem is we are not intentional about things that we, we say are important. And if you wanna see some changes made, you've gotta make some intentional shifts in your life. I wanna suggest five intentional shifts and then challenge you to think through making these shifts. By the way, I need to, is there any team members here? I need you guys to pass down um, the row. Everybody needs a prayer card. We're gonna use it for something here in a moment. And I forgot to do that. So guys, um, this is not for a prayer request. So don't, don't write on it yet. Um, just take, in fact, um, everybody needs to take two prayer cards. You need, you need two, two prayer cards. And I'll use this here in a few minutes. I forgot to do that. So um, two, two prayer cards. So just take that as it comes your way. Five things, but I wanna, I wanna challenge you to think through. The first one is practical Bible application. James says, when we go and we look in the Word of God, what happens is we, we look in the, the Word of God is a mirror, and he says, if you will look in God's Word, if you will abide in God's Word, and then if you will do what God's Word says, then as a result of that, you'll be blessed. That's, that's a, a process in James 1, 24 and 25. You look, you abide, you do, and you're blessed. It's a great pattern. Now, the, the, the problem, I think, that we don't do well in this is the abiding part. And so I wanna suggest something you can do to abide. If you wanna practically make an intentional shift, and you see, I've, I've, I read my Bible, I look, and some, you know, how do I go beyond just looking at those words? You look in a mirror and forget what you look like when you walk away. No, the, the way to make sure it stays, this is the mirror of God's word, the way it stays is to write things down, record what God shows you in his word. We talked about this a little bit on Thursday. But if you will make a commitment every day to write down a spiritual truth, I'm not a, I'm not a good journaler. I, I told you this the day. That's why I like my phone because I, I speak into it and words appear, right? You, you, don't, you use technology, but every day write down something as you're reading God's word that God shows you. It doesn't have to be profound. It doesn't have to be something anybody else is ever gonna read. But it, but it helps to cement those things in your heart. It moves beyond just words to putting it down in a practical way in your life. So, so an intentional shift would be to do what we've talked about last Thursday. Some of you are doing this already, getting up and starting your day with God. And then to write down something that God shows you um, in, in his word. Okay, here's another one, private prayer. Number two is private prayer. And, and, and the value, the importance of doing that. My screen just went blank. That's, that, private prayer. So what does that mean? Matthew 6, 6, Jesus says this. When, when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who sees in secret. When your father, who sees what is done in secret, sees that, he'll reward you openly. There, there's something about private prayer. We talked about this, if you were here last Thursday, I gave you 12 steps. How many of you got up this morning and spent time with God? Let me see your hand way up in there if you did that this morning. Okay, that's great. And if I, I, we were committed to do it for five days, that's two more. If you weren't here on Tuesday, or on, on Thursday rather, on the book table out there, there's a little card that says how to have a holy hour. Here's, here's a shorter version of it. 
if you have some time just to pray through and you just don't have a, a, a guideline, let me give you a little a, a acrostic. This is something I've used uh, so much in my life. It's just that acrostic of acts. And so what you do is you take a few moments of adoration. So, so in, in private prayer, this is kind of a shortened version of the 12, just to go through and, and tell God what you appreciate about his life. And then a time of confession. Search me, O oh God, try me, know me. You might take that list we went through on Thursday night in the back of your book, there's 54 sins, and maybe take five a day. And just each day say, God, how am I doing in these five? And, 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 then, and then thirdly is a time of thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for what he's done, for who he's done. And then, and then fourthly is a time of supplication. Now, this is a shortened version of what we talked about on Thursday. But just that acrostic of acts, it kind of helps just put a, a skeleton on, on your prayer life. So, so you're just taking some time to pray together. You can do this with your family, do it with your wife, um, do it individually. But praying through private prayer. Here's a, here's a third step to move to, penetrating relationships. I think the reason many of us are in the condition we are is because we don't have anybody who will love us enough to ask us tough questions. We were talking with the staff and deacons uh, this week a few moments ago, and, and one of the things they said that we've done these days is to at, put people on the spot. Now, I, I can do that because I'm leaving, right? So you can get mad at me and then you can, you can leave. But, but we, we need to have some relationships where somebody is putting us on the spot. And most of us don't have those kind of relationships. If you were here yesterday, I said this, an accusation hardens the will, but questions convict the conscience. And, and if you will start in relationships asking questions, well-placed questions, then that helps penetrate relationships. So, so we all want to be or should be hot Christians. What does that mean? Honest, open, and transparent. Don't you want this church to be hot for Christ? But see, the reason that we don't do that is because we're not being asked questions. We don't have to be honest. But if, if someone loves you enough to get in your face and ask you an honest question, or, or a difficult question, and you're honest, open, and transparent, that develops a relationship that's gonna move you and compel you in the right direction. So, so here's, a, here's a few suggestions. Here's some questions. Things like we talked about earlier last Sunday, how at peace are you? That's simple. Rather than saying, how are you? Just people in your Sunday school class or people as you talk here in the church, how, how at peace are you today? And, and, and listen to them. And if they're not, then tell them you'll pray for them and do or pray for them right then. How at peace are you? Here's another one. Tell me three things you'd like to see change in my life. Go to someone that you know who knows you and say to them, what are some things? I did this with Debbie some time ago. I, I limited it to three because I knew she'd have a list of about 25. So let's just start with three. You know, well, what are some things you'd like to see change in my life? And, and go to someone who knows you and ask them. And then don't be defensive when they give you those answers. But just ask those questions. Here's another one. Like, like, what are your spiders? The reason I, that, that's a strange question. I know there's a, there's a book uh, by Gary Thomas called Lifelong Love. It's a great book. And uh, Debbie and I just read it not too long ago. And in the, in the book, he said, um, he said his wife's spiders, or his wife um, can't stand spiders. If there's a spider in the house, I mean, she just goes crazy. And so if there's a spider, he knows that it's his job as quickly as possible to get that spider and get it out of there. Because that's just, there's, there are things, and all of us have those things that just grind on us, right? Just may not be spiders for you. You may like spiders, I don't know. But, but, but whatever it is, and so to know, to ask your husband, your wife, or, or people that you're in your home, what are your spiders? I know what my wife's spiders are. My wife's spider is the way I drive, 
okay? And, and, and I know we, we're leaving tomorrow. We're driving up to Pennsylvania to see our son for Thanksgiving. And, and so we've got this long trip. And, and, and she, doesn't like to, she doesn't like to drive. We're pulling this, you know, 8,000 ton trailer behind this. And so that makes things worse, whatever. And, and so, so she's just, she just so there's, you know, I'm just like, you know, flow with the traffic. You know, if the traffic's going, whatever, I'm going that fast, right? And I forget I even have a trailer behind me. But, but I know that, that she didn't appreciate that, right? She didn't like, she didn't like passing semis. I love passing semis, you know, but she, she doesn't like that. And, and, and so um, I know that tomorrow, if, if I'm going to be sensitive to her and, and be propelled in, in the right direction, then I'm going to have to be careful about passing semis and about, you know, um, you know, going downhill and through the mountains, all that sort of thing. So, but so, so have someone that you care enough about that you can ask those questions questions and, and, and propel yourself in that relationship. Um, so, so penetrating questions, penetrating relationships, all of us need those. Here's the, here's the fourth one, predetermined giving. Th- these, are, these are steps that you need to take in your life. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And, and, and we know those verses. We know the importance of giving. But again, we, we've kind of drifted away from God in our materialistic bent and, and some of you are going to have to take some major steps and move towards God in the way that you give. Money promises things only God can give. And some of us have bought into the, the culture that we live in, and we have worshipped the God of gold uh, rather the, than, than, than God himself. And, and so, so the value of just saying, I'm going to make some decisions to honor God in my giving, starting right here in the church God's made you a part of, giving by faith, giving sacrificially perhaps, even in these days. You know, the, the, the problem is we have a tendency to give God our leftovers. I used to go to uh, Chuck Swindoll's church. I went to college out in California, Biola College, and, and um, while I was there, I attended his church. And, and so I have great respect for Chuck Swindoll. I heard him say something, and I don't think if, if, if I heard anybody else say it, I'm not sure I would have believed it. He said he was uh, over on, in, in the mission field visiting some missionaries. While he was there, they got a, a, a care package from America. It was just some nice things that people had packaged up and sent overseas to help the missionaries. And, and in these gifts, one of the things that was included was a box of used tea bags. They used a tea bag once, saved it, and then they shipped it overseas to the missionaries. I thought, no, no one's, no one's going to send used tea bags to missionaries. But that's kind of our mentality. If it's junk, if it's trash, if, if, if we can't use it anymore, then God can have it. I was in a meeting some time ago, and I was, I was challenging folks about this area of giving, and, and I, I just said, you know, you need to honor God with the first fruits. We, we need to give him the best, not the leftovers. And, and a guy came to me, he said, um, he said my, our pastor, before you got here, had asked that uh, there's, there's a missionary coming home on furlough, and they, they need a car to use while they're here for the year. And uh, he wanted to know if anybody had a car that, that uh, you know, they could have or, or use for the year. And so I said to my wife, you know, we, we want to get a new car. Anyway, why don't we go ahead and get the new car we've been trying to get, and we'll go ahead and give him our, you know, our old car. And so he said, but this week I realized something. He said, I, I am so selfish. And, and, and why, why would I do that? So he said, you know what we did? They bought the new car, gave the new car to the missionaries, and they kept the old one. See, we don't think that way. We think if it's leftover, if it's disposable, then maybe God can have it. At the end of the month, if there's anything left over, then we'll do that. You need to predetermine your giving and say, God, I'm going to give to you the best, the most, out of the first fruits of my income, whatever that would happen to be for you. 
But, but make a major shift to that. Talk about it to your family. And, and make, don't, we drift away in the materialism. You make a major shift in your life by honoring them, putting them first. Here's the, here's the fifth one, personal ministry. Personal ministry. And what I mean by this, if you want to stop drifting, if you want to make some intentional shift, then you've got to decide to find some people that you can have impact in their life, personally in their life. Jesus came to serve the least of these. He served people who could do nothing in return for him. He served people who, who everyone else cast aside. I was in um, Lyons, Georgia, not so long ago, and uh, the pastor, we were talking one day, and he said, um, he's, he, was, he was at the office, and, and the phone rang, and no one was there, and so he normally didn't answer the phone, but he picked up the phone, and, and the secretary was gone, and, and it was a, an elderly lady in the church, and, and, and uh, she had to get to the doctor. And, he, and he, he, there was no one around, and he, he, he said, I normally don't do this. I have a policy. I don't ride alone with women in the car. But, you know, she was a lot older than I was, and, and uh, she had a need, and she was just insistent. So I said, okay, I'll come pick you up. So I hung up. I went and picked her up, and it was, it was quite a drive to where she had to go to this appointment. And he said, he said, see, she just was a nonstop talker. And she just talked and talked. Finally, he said, I'm driving. I just zoned out. And she, I, I, I was vaguely aware there was noise coming from her direction. And, and uh, so I'm driving, and pretty soon there was a lull. And I realized she just asked me a question, and I had no clue what she said. And I, and I, I kind of turned over, and she said, you weren't listening, were you? And he said, I said, no, I'm so sorry. What, what, what did you say? And here's what she said to him. And this has really impacted me. She said to him, you know, you're going to come to an age where people are going to look past you. She said that to her pastor. Pastor, you're going to come to an age where people are going to look past you. And he said, God just smote his heart. When he shared that with me, God, God smote my heart. I, I know there's a lot of people I have walked past. There's going to come a point where people are going to walk past you. And this pastor said to me, Steve, I made a commitment. I am not going to walk past another person. Just because it's not convenient or not in my time schedule or whatever. You know, in, in, in Scripture, religion is used in most cases in the New Testament in a negative way. Because it was always talking about the, the religion of the Pharisees. There, there's just a couple exceptions. And one is this. True religion, undefiled before God, is taking care of the widows and orphans in their affliction. And I would add another category, mentally handicapped or physically handicapped. Handicapped. And, and, and these are the people, listen, if, if you want to take a major step in your life, you find a widow, an orphan, or, or someone that has a handicap, and, and you invest and take time not to walk past them, but to invest in their life. Have personal ministry in people who cannot do anything for you. Just invest in their lives. That's what Jesus did. Now, now, now these are intentional shifts. And if you're not going to take some intentional shifts in your life, then you're just going to keep on drifting along, living that safe life, hugging the balance beam, and you're going to be the same way you were a week ago. So here's what I want to challenge you. Take out that prayer card now that you have, those two prayer cards. And I want you to write on, they're going to match. You're going to have two of them. I want you to write out some short-term goals that will help you accomplish what your one goal is. The one thing is Christ-likeness or whatever you wrote down. What are some short-term goals that you can do to help you accomplish that one goal of your life? So Paul said, this one thing I do, and they wrote down three things, okay? So, so you wrote down the one thing. Now, what are some things you can do? Here's some ideas. Things like, things we just talked about, 
It's like reading the Bible every day for a month. That might be a goal. You could say, these are, these are 30 day goals. Things you want to do for the next 30 days. I want to challenge you to, to take a major step. Remember, we move away in drifts. We move towards them in, in, in intentional shifts. So maybe just to, for the next 30 days that you're going to uh, you know, read the Bible. Maybe to write out a sentence about a passage. That was what I just talked about there, writing something down. Maybe for the next 30 days, you're going to keep a journal and you're going to write down one thing that God shows you in his word every day, just for 30 days. These are short-term goals. Maybe it's something like to start your day in prayer. I challenge you to do that through Tuesday. Maybe you could say for the next 30 days, I'm going to start my day in prayer. I'm not asking for it, maybe five minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, but just to start your day there. That'd be a great thing. That should be a goal for every person. But, but start there. Here's something. Maybe to pray with your wife. We've talked about the importance of that. When Debbie and I got married, I said, honey, I'm going to pray with you every day. Listen, we've done that for 40 years. Sometimes, you know, we, 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 pray, um, uh, we pray in the morning, but we pray at night before we go to bed. And sometimes when Debbie hits the pillow, I mean, she's pretty much gone. And, and there'll be times where, where she'll wake up and say, honey, did you, did you pray with me? I, I didn't remember. Yeah, and I do. But, but the point is, it doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing. It's just a few moments where you're saying things to God in front of your wife. She needs to hear that. She needs to hear you out loud pray with her. So say, for 30 days, you'll try it. For 30 days, you'll pray with your wife every day. 30 days. I'm not asking for a lifetime. 30 days. And then maybe, maybe pray for that acts acrostic. Maybe say, I'm going to do that daily. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And I'll just, I'll just pray through that. Maybe that, these are just some suggestions. Don't do all these. Maybe, um, here's a goal. I'm going to ask some penetrating questions of my family. I'm going to ask my wife what her spiders are. I'm, I'm going to ask my husband, what are three things you'd like to see change in my life? and make it a goal. It may not have to be this one. There's just ideas. Maybe to talk with your family about giving. We talked about this yesterday. I think that, that both Jimmy and I grew up in situations where our dad really didn't discuss giving with us. And so we, we kind of went in unprepared. Talk about your family. Say, Here, here's what we give. Here's the percentage. Here's why. Here's how we're honoring God. And let them be a part of that so, so they can learn by watching you in giving. And, and, and as husband and wife, just saying, you know, we, we've got to start honoring God by giving out the first fruit of our income. So maybe just to talk with your family about, about giving. Maybe to find someone you can minister to. To say, God, would you give me a, a, an individual who has some needs? Would you show me a widow, an orphan, uh, a handicapped, someone who, who people are walking past, and I don't want to walk past that person? Now, there could be a thousand other things of short-term goals. I want, to take, I want you to take a few moments, and I want you to write out a list of some things for the next 30 days, some intentional shifts, could be these, could be other things that God has shown you in these last eight days or, or whatever. You just say, I'm going to make some shifts in my life for the next 30 days.